0: Tonight we're going to talk about uh, cautiousness, and some Bible examples I think will be a help to us this evening. Uh, but look at, the, look at Isaiah 40, Isaiah 40, verse uh, 31, great verse, great one to have memorized, and, and even the verses around it, and Isaiah 40, and, um, <coughs> and uh, verse number 31, it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And uh, with the context there, in uh, verse number 30, it talks about, uh, we can even really go back, um, uh, verse 29, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. And this idea that uh, you know, that the youth in their own strength, uh, I think, is the implication there. They're relying on the fact that they're youthful. Uh, even them are going to faint, and even the young men, who, who we would look at as these guys are the picture of strength, uh, they will fall. He says, but they that wait on the Lord, they're the ones that are going to be strong. They're the ones that will renew their strength. They shall mount to the wings as eagles, and, uh, and so forth. Um, and the idea that we're going to look at tonight a little bit is this, uh, this idea of doing things God's way. Um, rather than, you know, uh, uh, rashness when it comes to works, when it comes to doing things for the Lord, uh, uh, principles in life. We can run into things and say, I can do this. I have strength. I have ability. I have whatever it is that we lean on. And we run into things. And many times because we, we missed God's way, we missed God's uh, uh, approach, if you would, we'll miss it. We'll be like the youth that faint versus those that wait on the Lord with the renewed strength. And so we're going to look at that a little bit tonight, but why don't we have a word of prayer this evening. our uh, Father, we thank you for uh, for these that have come out tonight and for this uh, time together in your word. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us. Uh, be with my thoughts and my words. I pray that there'd be something here that would help every one of us uh, in our own lives as we uh, lead our children along. And, uh, Lord, would you just guide and direct, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um. Really, the contrast we're looking at when we when we talk about cautiousness, we're contrasting that with rashness. Uh, just jump in there. Oh, I've done this a million times. I'll just jump in there. And and uh, if you were here in the introduction with the kids, uh, uh, Brother Bird just kind of put up some uh, some jobs that would require some more um, alertness, some more caution. When they're doing the jobs, they showed a guy defusing a bomb. They showed a guy all the way up on a tower with uh, fall protection. And, you know, if you didn't do the fall protection right, I'll tell you what, that could be quite uh, scary. It's scary enough with the fall protection, I'm sure, uh, being up that high. And, um, you know, there's a great deal of caution uh, That's, that, you know, versus, you know, oh, I can do this, I've done it a million times. In fact, uh, in the military, the, the, the most, uh, most times there's a problem is when you've done it a million times. <laughs> you do it again. In fact, I worked on helicopters when I was in the Army, and, and uh, the standards are a little bit more strict because, uh, than like a typical mechanic, if uh, you're a mechanic and you're working on a car and you do something wrong and the car breaks down, you just pull it to the side of the road. If you do something wrong on a helicopter and it breaks down, you fall from the sky. Stakes a little bit higher, okay? And uh, so, so we are required. No matter how many times you've done a certain task, we are required to have the manual open to the page, and uh, and referencing it, and making sure we're doing everything uh, by the book. And uh, why? You know, people's lives are at stake. You know, that pilot is trusting these mechanics, and and uh, you know the crew chiefs, and everyone's got their parts, and. Um, and uh, you know, in life, we can rely too much on ourselves, and it really gets us in trouble. So, so what is cautiousness? It's really responding, or recognizing, rather, that we have natural inc- inclinations that are really opposite to God's way. Um, we see this, we see this all over the place. In fact, I saw, um, uh, I saw an interview, uh, pieces of an interview with some commentary uh, that just kind of popped up on my uh, newsfeed on my uh, phone today. And I was kind of listening to it, and it was actually really good. Uh, the conclusions this guy made, but he was critiquing uh, an interview with Caitlyn Jenner. How many of you know who Caitlyn Jenner is? Formerly known as Bruce Jenner. And, um, and he was talking about how, um, you know, how his whole life he was kind of living this lie, right? Because inside uh, he's really a woman or whatever. And he was married and he had these kids. And, and, uh, and, and what he was getting his conversation around to was, uh, was actually spiritual things. And, uh, and he was talking about how when he finally became true to himself. And he said he sat down had a long talk with his pastor and, uh, about who he really is. And uh, and, uh, you know, and what he was describing was is the highest virtue a person can, can reach is being true to oneself or authenticity. What's interesting about that is this, that being true to oneself is being true to one's nature. Now, by nature are you and I... Uh, sinners or saints? <laughs> We're sinners by nature, and so, uh, so you know, the, he's really struggling with the same thing every one of us struggle with, and that is, uh, am I going to say yes to flesh or no to flesh? I'm going to say yes to God or no to God. And uh, and so he was talking about one day, you know, when he uh, goes before the pearly gates, you know, and and uh, and basically what what his what his definition, his concept of spirituality and his concept of salvation even was that if he was true to himself and acted upon that or did did that that he would have done his best and you know i can't remember the way he worded but i think it was along the lines of god looking at him and and saying uh you know you did you did your best or you did a good job and you can come into heaven and uh, and the guy did a great job without demeaning the, the person or anything but he did a great job breaking down uh, the gospel but uh but but this idea that the high, you know this the highest virtue is being true to oneself no no the highest virtue is is being dead to oneself and and following the lord you know and and i was like that's a really great way of looking at you know gender dysphoria and some of these other issues that this is something we're all fighting with we want to uh put that old man to death every one of us and uh and so when we're talking about cautiousness in the spiritual life, uh, we, we need to be hesitant. What is our immediate knee-jerk reaction to things? What is our, our, our rash reaction? You ever, uh, you ever blown up? Uh, by, have you ever lost your temper? Right? Uh, never. I know Dave never would. Uh, but, uh, but some of us, uh, and down, down here on this plane... <laughs> uh, sometimes you know it just uh, sneaks up on you, right? I wasn't prepared for that level of conflict. I wasn't prepared, whatever, and uh, and we just kind of I just speak my mind, right? Well, the Bible says a fool uttereth all his heart, okay, and um, but we just you know let it go. What is that? That is a knee jerk reaction to maybe a conflict rather than stopping. The Bible says, let every one of us be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Right? Uh, the flesh will be slow to hear and quick to respond, quick to wrath, quick to speak, quick to wrath, you know. And, uh, and this is something we all struggle with, you know. Um, one, of the, one of the very key elemental principles that, that, uh, that they teach in uh, counseling classes on, on how, to, how to counsel people, and even in secular uh, counseling classes, is this, you know, how important it is to seek to understand before you seek to be understood. Uh, Make sure you know where they're coming from, because that is completely against our nature. Uh, Oh, I know what you're saying. I know know what the problem is. I'm going to jump right into it. But do you know? Do you know what the problem is? You know, rarely is the problem uh, the first thing that we think is the problem. Usually the problem is a little bit deeper, right? Uh, And uh, many times it's the symptom that we thought was the problem, which wasn't the problem at all. And um, and so cautious, cautiousness is recognizing that my natural tendency, my natural inclination, is usually at odds with God, God and His ways. In fact, uh, uh, it says this in uh, Proverbs sixteen twenty five: "There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death." What's interesting about that verse and many verses like it is is the idea that there's a way that seems right to a man. This isn't someone just going to say, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. He thinks it's the right decision, and it leads to destruction. I just gave a great example, right? As long as I'm true to myself, I'll make it to heaven. right? I heard one person say the reason he's going to heaven is because he's a humble person. All right? Uh, there's a little bit more to this thing of heaven and hell and eternal life than, 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 than a few virtues, right? Um, uh, uh, you know, understanding that we're all sinners, understanding that we're all condemned, and me in my own way is going to lead to destruction eternally and in this life, right? We make a mess of things in our flesh, um, uh, the Bible says in uh, Isaiah 55, 8 9, I love this passage, I preached on it a few weeks ago, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord, um, uh, uh, and neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord, for as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And the context of that is the fact that Israel was so backslidden, and Israel had so turned from God, and here's what he says, You return to me, and I will abundantly pardon, and the natural response would be, why? Why, Lord, would you do that with such a sin-sick people? Well, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. If we really, if we really took an, a- an analysis of the nation of Israel, and we took an analysis of the human race, understand something. God does not need us. God is complete in and of himself. To think that he tolerates a creation that so uh, spits in the face of his character, by our response to him. And yet he still expresses his love and he still uh, uh, calls us to turn to him and calls us to repentance. And it's just amazing. And the question every one of us should ask is, why, Lord? How? How could you uh, uh, be so long-suffering? The Bible says the long-suffering of the Lord is our salvation. How could you be so long-suffering? And, well, his ways aren't our ways. See, it gives us a little bit of the mind of God. But, uh, but we bring that down to our level and realize in so many ways it's that way. You know? Uh, there's a... When you look through the Bible, the Bible is full of paradoxes. Christianity is a paradox, by the way. You know what the Bible says? The way up is down. Humble yourself and He'll exalt you. Right? Uh, the, way to, to, the way to find your life is to lose it. Huh? That doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, the way the way to have uh, riches eternally is to give it away. That doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, Proverbs says there there are them that scattereth, and yet it increases. Uh, and then there are those that withhold more than is meat, more than is necessary, and intend it to poverty. Wait a minute! I'm, I'm saving. I'm trying to save every penny I get, and intend it to poverty. You say well, this doesn't make sense. This is backwards. This is paradoxical, right? Because um, uh, God's ways aren't our ways, uh, but if we acknowledge that our natural tendencies uh, are tend to to, to be foolish, tend to uh, or, or, or or we 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 look at those natural tendencies as 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 wisdom, or this is the way I, I go, uh, it will be foolishness. It will act in a foolish way. It will pay a heavy price. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty twenty six, "He that in his own heart is a fool." Now I love that. Because uh, that verse is completely contradictory uh, of the gospel of our society. You see, the gospel of our society, what is the gospel according to Disney? This is something I kind of coined. Follow your heart, right? Let your conscience be your guide. Um, uh, you know, just follow your heart. It's never steered me wrong. I think to myself, is that a very honest statement? I don't care who you are. That's just a foolish statement. All right. Uh, uh, you don't have to be, you don't have to have very many years of life to start realizing, wow, when I followed my heart, it led me astray. Okay. Uh, it doesn't take 50 years of life experience. It, doesn't, it takes about five <laughs> and uh, maybe even five months. I don't know. But, uh, but, but my heart's going to lead me astray. Proverbs 3, uh, 5 and 6. Lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Uh, we, 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 there, there again, it's opposite. Don't lean on your understanding, but you lean on God's understanding. You follow his direction, his guidance, and what do he do? He starts laying it out. He starts directing those path, that, that path. When people speak uh, evil to us, here's our natural tendency, to speak evil of them. Or to speak evil to them. We talked already about you know losing your temper. Right. Well, what does the Bible say? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For He maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For uh, if ye love them which, um, which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute the brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? That's Matthew 5:44 through 47 And... Uh, you know, this is opposite. This is not what we tend to think. But this is that higher level. This is this is God's way. This is where blessings are. He says, "There's no reward." Uh, I one of my uh, um, one of the things about uh, when I remember when uh, Donald Trump first uh, was running for president, and uh, uh, he, if any, you know, <laughs> out of all that, if nothing else, he was very entertaining. Right, the things that he would say, and I, I saw uh, there was a video. Um, Somebody said, how Donald Trump sounds like your drunk neighbor. And it was just a whole bunch of like quotes of Donald Trump back to back. And it was really quite comical. But one of the ones that stood out to me is this. Uh, I like people that like me. Don't we all? Okay. I just like people that like me. And, um, you know, but that's kind of what Jesus was getting at here. He says, uh, he says, uh, you know, those that are good to you, that bless you, you tend to bless and, and vice versa. The Bible talks about... Um, you know, if you have riches, uh, you make a lot of friends. It's funny how much people started liking me for who I am when I had money. Uh, (laughs) It might not be for who you are, right? Um, but, uh, uh, but, but what does he say? He says, you know, when people are harsh to you and people are wrong to you, you know, these are, these are the opposites. These are those paradigms or paradox. Um, so how does uh, cautiousness relate to, uh, to iniquity? And, and as we look at this, iniquity is simply doing uh, what seems to be right to us. Doing it our way, right? I think this is right. I think this is my way. And by the way, you can do good things in iniquity. I think it's what Jesus was talking about when he, uh, when he said um, in Matthew 7, uh, 22 and 23, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then, will I profess to them, I never knew you, depart from me ye that worketh iniquity. What was the heart? What was behind them doing those things? Well, iniquity is the sin of doing it your way, with your understanding. And uh, just like there are so many religious people out there that have never confessed Christ alone, that have never looked on him for their salvation, uh, but they're doing great spiritual activity, even in the name of Jesus, he'll look to these folks and say, I didn't know you. You did that in your own strength. You did that your own way. And um, that's that's the rashness. You, you skip the very first step, and that is salvation itself. You see, if we jump straight into serving, and we think, ah, oh, this will earn God's favor, this will, this will make Him impressed, and, and you may do a lot of wonderful things with your life. I think of Mother Teresa. Boy, we'd be lucky if we even came close to all the good deeds she did. But it's likely she missed first base. She never trusted in Christ alone, but all those good deeds. You know, I think about the popes. I think about, you know, different, very spiritual, if you would, or religious people. And yet they miss the basic. Acting apart from the life and power of God is iniquity. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Um, and in uh, a great contrast of this, there was no iniquity found in Jesus. Uh, a great point was when, in John 5.30, he said, I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Now, here's Jesus, and this is this is kind of those interesting things to wrap your mind around because, yes, uh, uh, Jesus and the Father are one, yet in his humanities he came to earth. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. There's an obedience element that, whether that was just for us or what it was, but, but he followed the Father, and he did what the Father wanted and didn't seek his own and uh, and and really that's that's what we're talking about here what's what's the cautious aspect we're saying am i doing this my way am i seeking my own or am i doing it god's way am i am i going the way that he has laid out his path and uh, so how do we develop cautiousness first of all acknowledge that our natural inclinations are often wrong and cry to god for wisdom um some wonderful promises all throughout Scripture about seeking God for wisdom. We already looked at uh, in, in Proverbs. Uh, um, Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things. Thou knowest it's not. Uh, I need to know these things. I need to know where God wants me to go. So he says, call unto him. Cry out. Uh, Psalm 50, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Romans ten uh, thirteen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, this crying out. Um, uh, uh, Proverbs uh, 2, 3-5, uh, through five, it says, If thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Seeking, crying, uh, uh, going after it. James 1, 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And uh, so we have these great invitations. God says, call. Put me to the test. Try me and, and you know, see if I will give you wisdom, if I'll give you direction. And, and, and here's the heart of it all. I want to make godly decisions. See, God's not just some genie in a lamp ready to just grant you three wishes. That's, that's how I think sometimes we treat it. The, the health and prosperity, uh, uh, the health and wealth movement, the prosperity gospel. That's, that's kind of how they, they, they portray If you have enough faith, everyone, you're going to get rich. If you have enough faith, God's going to do this and do this and do this. And, and, and it's all about, it's really all about me is what that happens. But when we come to God saying, God, I need your wisdom. I need your thoughts. Um, there's the, there's the, the, the heart from which you ask these questions. that You come to him, that you seek him, that you cry out. So we acknowledge that, that my natural, my flesh, my being true to self, is typically in contradiction to God's ways. So what I do, I, seek, I call out for wisdom. Uh, I learn from the experiences of others. The biographies that God wrote in the Bible are filled with both rich counsel, how to do things God's way, and, uh, and one of the things I love about the Bible is it also shows serious errors, serious mistakes. You know, that's one thing I, I think that kind of shows it's a divine book. You know, if I, was, if I was writing the Bible, I'd make everybody a hero. If it was me coming up with these things, Right. Uh, yet there's some, uh, there's some pretty shady characters in the Bible, even ones that were trying to follow God, yet made bad decisions. I mean, ha, you, ever, you ever wonder, God, why would you record in the Bible, the guy you give the title, Man After Your Own Heart, and you record the fact that he committed adultery, and you record the fact that he murdered, and you record the fact that he was lifted up with pride and numbered the people. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's, that's your definition of man after God's own heart. You see, but God, God is very honest with it. There's no temptation taking it, but such as is common to man. And uh, uh, the Bible says um, in the New Testament, referring to one of the prophets. I think it was Elijah. He was a man of like passions, like, like us, right? And as sometimes as we look at these, these, these characters like, oh, they're so far beyond what we could ever be. No, no, they were people. They were men and women. They were, they were like us. But we learn from these experiences. We read these testimonies. Psalm 19, verse 7, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Um, King David thought uh, bringing, uh, bringing the Holy Ark of God to the capital city of Jerusalem would be a good idea. And by the way, it was a good idea. Uh, the Ark had been taken for 70 years. Um, and uh, and was, uh, was, was with the Philistines. A lot of times when you're just reading through, you don't realize how much time it actually transpired from when, when the Ark of the Covenant was taken. Uh, remember, uh, that, that was uh, in the beginning of 1 Samuel when, uh, when, uh, when Eli, the priest, uh, heard about the, the, the Ark had been taken. He fell out of his chair and broke his neck and died. <laughs> um, that's when the Ark was taken. Fast forward, and that, that, that's, that's, King, uh, that's Samuel who's going to now next anoint King Saul then he's going to anoint David to be king. By the time David is well into his reign, um, the Philistines send back the ark and it comes back to, to the nation. And uh, And so he's super excited to go to get it. And uh, And if you remember the series we did on the new cart, uh, uh, when, 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 when the ark came into town, the Philistines had constructed a nice new cart for it to be pulled by two milk cows and it came back to town and and so he thought, this is a great idea, it worked for them, uh, uh, and, he, and basically he copied the world. He copied what the Philistines did in handling the Ark of God. Now, the Ark represented the presence of God, the, the power of God, the provision, the, 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 you, you had the manna in there, uh, you had uh, his, his authority when it came to the law and the priesthood with the, the budding rod of Aaron. Uh, these things, the Ten Commandments, the law of God, you had these things, it all represented God and his presence. So, what did he do? He copied the way the world did it. He, cre- he created a nice new cart to be pulled on, and, and, uh, and it was going to be pulled by two milk cows. They get going down a little ways, and, and before long, it starts to wobble a little bit. And if you remember the story, <clears throat> potential spam. <laughs> if you remember the story, uh, a guy reaches out to stabilize the cart. Here's a guy in his own mind, his own thinking I'm helping God, right? And do you guys remember what happens? Struck down dead. Well, David was so bothered by this. Here he's doing a good thing. He's a good man doing a good thing, and a guy dies. So they're like, let's just park it here and let's put it in this guy's house. And um, uh, what was that Obadidim? I believe it was put in Obadidim's house, and uh, and the household of Obadidim began to get blessed. And I believe he was there for three months, and uh, he was getting all these blessings. And so word gets back to David, and David's like, those are supposed to be my blessings. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be here in the capital, in Jerusalem. And, uh, and so as he's there, somewhere along the way, I don't know what happened, but, but somewhere along the way, whether it would have been a, maybe a scribe read it to David or, or, or whatnot, took him back to Deuteronomy. Took him back to God's instruction. Here's how the, uh, the ark is to be transported. Nobody's supposed to touch it supposed to have rods that carry it on rings and it's supposed to rest on the shoulders of of holy men, of the priesthood, the Levites. And that is how it's to be transported. So they go back and they very cautiously this time, why? Because somebody died last time, they cautiously approach it the way God had laid it out. Now, it probably would have been a lot quicker to just put it on a cart. They put it on the shoulders of these men and they take a few steps and nobody's dead. And they actually make sacrifice, they celebrate, they have music, and uh, uh, right then and there in the street. And then they keep on making their way back. By the time they get back to Jerusalem, David is so overwhelmed with joy, he's dancing in the street, and he's just carrying on, he's having the greatest time, uh, and just, uh, just so overwhelmed and excited before God. Why? When he went in there and made a rash decision, it brought death to the camp. And by the way, where did he learn how to do this? He mirrored what the world did. Now, the world has its own way and its own ideas about God, about religion, about how to do things. But they weren't God's people. I don't think God was going to judge them for, for transporting the ark poorly because they didn't know. God's people should have known that God has his ways. And here's a big problem, I mean, I think it's a great illustration. Here's a big problem of the Church of, of, of Christianity today. We're copying the world's ways. Everything Anything's acceptable to God. Anything's, you know, and God says, no, "No, no, I have standards. I have my ways. And just like God accepted uh, Abel's offering, but rejected Cain's offering, there are ways that we do things with the presence of God. There are the ways that we do things with bringing honor and glory to God that we don't follow the Philistines. We don't follow the Egyptians. We don't do it the world's way. Remember the Egyptians? They, uh, they, they, uh, they didn't know what happened to Moses, so they did what they knew how to do the last 400 years. They made golden calves. They made music. And they danced around naked around this altar. Where did they learn how to do that? 400 years in Egypt? You see? You just go back to these natural inclinations, these natural ways that we think this makes sense. And in our own heart, by the way, we think, well, if I'm gen- as long as I'm genuine, as long as I'm sincere, I'll bring this before God. He'll be happy with it without stopping and thinking, wait a minute, what if God has a certain uh, has given certain specifications? What if God has given a certain way that I'm supposed to approach Him, that I'm supposed to come before Him, that I'm supposed to honor Him and, uh, and exalt Him and, and so forth? The Bible uh, does talk about lifting up hands, but it says lifting up holy hands. You see, we've got to do things His way. And, uh, and, and, you know, we, you know this, this idea today that, well, as long as I'm genuine, as long as I'm sincere, God will accept anything that I bring him, that as I come before him. And, well, is that what you got from the Bible? You see, we lean not on our own understanding. We come to God, we say, God, uh, what do you require? I like what it says in Micah 6.8. He has shown the O man what is good and what that the Lord require of thee. God's shown us some things in his word. and And, and the problem is we think, well, you know, uh, I got some things figured out. Um, I think about uh, uh, people that get saved out of maybe ungodly music, and what do they do? They turn around and, without getting grounded in the Word, they play the same ungodly music. But it's for the Lord. There's a—I uh, don't want to go down that path right now. There's a—it's um, a documentary that just came, that came out this month. I just want to say, beware, beware of it. I'll share more on that later, um, but a lot of it is is bringing worldliness, ungodliness uh, into into the church realm, and uh, and it's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable, uh, and you can we can go down the line on areas. You know, I think that that new cart and the ark of God is a great illustration for so many areas in our lives that we compromise and uh, and and do things our way rather than rather than God's way. The third thing, consider the opposite action of natural inclinations. Uh, I love a testimony of uh, of um, uh, Tom Souter. He talked about when he first got saved and he went to his pastor. And he said, Pastor, he said, this is a, uh, that's a big book right there. It's going to take me a while to get through it. He said, is it like a reader's digest or is there like a a, short, a shortcut, a version that I can get through? And and as uh, pastor thought about it for a minute. And he goes, Here's what you do. When you when you're, when, when you're, you're face a situation, think to yourself, how would I normally respond to the situation? And then do the exact opposite. He said, that's the best I can give you for a shortcut. <laughs> and, and, you know, and many times that's, that's really the case, okay? Uh, there, there tend to be opposites. Um, but ask yourself these questions. Um, you know, you ever uh, and then uh, fourthly, seek wise counsel. You ever noticed uh, caution signs on on highways or on certain road strips, and you think, think to yourself, "I bet there's a reason that caution sign is there." Somebody made a tragic mistake on this portion of the road, too fast or too whatever, and um, and uh, you know what was it? There, so so because of someone else's mistake, they didn't have a caution sign there. Right. Uh, yeah, I mentioned uh, the army manuals earlier about uh, working on helicopters and whatnot. Some of the warnings that are in army manuals are so hilarious. <laughs> you mean somebody did this, right? Uh, if you buy a uh, uh, if you buy a motorhome, in the manual and it talks about the, the uh, cruise control, it uh, it'll explain to you. Caution: uh, cruise control is not autopilot. You still have to be behind the wheel. Okay. Uh, why? Because early on, when cruise control came out, somebody thought that this will drive for you and the motorhome crashed. Okay? Yeah. Uh, there's some crazy, crazy things. You're like, why is that warning there? Isn't that common sense? No. If common, you know, <laughs> if common sense is so common, how come so few people have it? You know, we don't, uh, we don't think through these things. And so uh, these are warning signs. These are counsel. You know, we've been, and my wife and I have been working with, uh, with our, uh, our teenagers and, and talking through some things. And, uh, you know, we're telling them, we don't want you to have to learn things the hard way. Let's learn from mistakes of others. Let's, let's, let's kind of see some of these things where, where, where we've messed up, where others have messed up, where you know, you know, where, where people are, are taking things and say, say, is that where I want to end up? Is that how I want, you know, you know at the end of the, the road, so to speak? And, uh, you know, we can learn from others. Get wise counsel. Those that have, you know, just like we have the testimonies in Scripture, uh, there is some great counsel from those who make good decisions. And there's some great counsel from those who've learned the lessons from the bad decisions. And uh, we, we should take counsel. We should teach our children to seek counsel. And by the way, you don't seek counsel, uh, young people, from your peers. Okay? Because uh, they're just as ignorant as you are. <laughs> um, we need to be very careful. And even as adults, we have a tendency, if we're not careful, we we'll, we'll think, we'll think of counsel as checking a box. And we'll get counsel from someone that we know will tell us what we want to hear not necessarily what we need to hear. And uh, so be very careful on who you select as counselors in your life. Uh, here's some examples of some natural in, uh, inclinations uh, versus God's way. A natural inclination is uh, rejecting, uh, reject unchangeable physical or family features. By the way, that's a big deal today. Uh, I, I, I don't want to accept uh, uh, the fact, you know, I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way you know, I don't like my hair color. I don't like my eye color. I don't like my body type. I don't like... And we reject these things. And, uh, well, what's God's way? Accept these as God's means of developing inward character and thank Him for them. I think of people that have been born with, uh, with certain um, ailments, certain, uh, uh, what's the word, um, handicaps, right? And, uh, you know, uh, we'll thank God for those things as God has used those as a means of developing character. Uh, you know, and, and, and trusting him in those things. So, but that's a big one. This is, you know, that's the one that we, we talked about in the very beginning, you know, with, with, with uh, Bruce, Caitlyn Jenner, um, uh, you know, not accepting. By the way, what's interesting about people with gender dysphoria, the way our culture is today, they want us to affirm their gender when they're the ones that are in denial of their own biology. And they're saying, we are not affirming it. We are in denial of who they really are. No, no, no. They're the ones denying it. Okay. And uh, anyways, um, natural inclination, react to parents and other authorities who do not give us what we want uh, uh, them to give us. God's way is recognize that God has established all human authority to praise, uh, uh, to praise those who do good and to punish those who do evil. Romans 13. And um, Uh, Next, uh, cover our secret sins and failures so others will not think less of us. God's way is humble ourselves and confess our faults, uh, making restitution when appropriate. Uh, Proverbs uh, 15, uh, uh, 33, before honor is humility. Uh, Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sins will not prosper. Whosoever confesseth forsaking them shall find mercy. And... uh, you know, there's so many, so many things in life, the natural inclination versus God's way. Uh, uh, natural inclination is reject our offenders and eagerly hope that they will suffer God's way, forgive those who have offended us, and look for ways to benefit their lives. I love the passage where it says, uh, uh, bless them who curse you, and so forth. And it says, in doing so, in uh, Romans, uh, thou shalt be coals of fire upon their head. And uh, you know, it, so often we, we read the Bible and we'll think of maybe our own culture or we'll think of our own even wording. Sometimes there are um, uh, expressions in the Bible that don't necessarily translate into our culture, right? And, uh, and that's actually one of them, the heaping the coals of fire upon their head. And, uh, and I remember when I first read that and had someone explain to me, they're like, well, what's, what it's saying is it's like, a, it's like a subtle way of getting back at them. And when you're nice to them, if they're mean to you, man, it's going to irk them like throwing coals of fire on their head. And uh, like, is that really what God wants? God wants to do nice things in a vindictive way. That's kind of a weird way of getting even, right? Until I started studying a little, and what does that mean? What is the cultural uh, implication? Well, back in those days, uh, you uh, you would uh, you would have a fire in your home to heat your home to cook or whatever but you would go down to, a, uh, to like the public square or whatever, an area where they had a big fire pit, and that's where you'd go get the fire. And what you would do is they would carry these things on in like a basin like a, uh, on their head, and you'd balance it. Now, when you've got the thing already up on your head, it's a very difficult thing to shovel hot coal for uh, fear of spilling it on yourself. So if you assist somebody and help them keep coals of fire on their head, uh, you're, you're helping bless them as they're about to go bring heat to their home, they're about to bake for their family or they're about to do whatever, you're actually being a blessing to them. But that heaping coals of fire in their head became an expression of helping somebody along the way. And, uh, and so it turns the whole thing around. In doing so, you're going to be a great blessing to them. In doing so, you're going to be a great help to them. And uh, isn't that what he's talking about? Being a help to those who are trying to hurt you, who are trying to be against you? Um. Here's one, our natural inclination. We claim ownership of our possessions and use them for our own pleasure. God's way, dedicate our possessions to God and use them for his glory. Uh, we, uh, our natural inclination is to reprove those who fail to respect our personal rights. God's way is yield our rights to God and thank him for whatever happens beyond our control. And we just go on and on down the line of what our natural tendency is versus God's way. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when you kind of look at all lot of these character qualities, a lot of them are going to overlap. How can we do this? Well, we're going to need humility. How can we do this? We're going to need faith. How can we do this? We're going to need hope. We're going to need to, to trust the Lord along the way that He does know best. You know, I mentioned my wife and I have been having some conversations with our kids and and uh, one of the things is talking to my daughter is uh, asking her if she... If she trusts God, very basic question, right? If she trusts God that that His way is best, that He will work these things out, do you trust God? Because if she doesn't trust God, if she doesn't desire God's way, God's blessing, God's best for her, then none of it really matters. None of the principles that we're trying to share with her, none of the things that we're trying to you know help her along. Now, as parents, you know, even if she rejects God. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to do everything we can, fighting for this soul all the way up till the end. But, uh, but uh, you know, the reality is, if she's going to reject it all, then you know, uh, then we'll be done. And so, it's, it's understanding that God does know best, that God's way is best. Our way falls way short. Our way is many times opposite, and um, not to lean on our understanding. And so, so much by the way of discipleship, so much of Christianity, is just changing our thinking. The Word of God is quick and powerful and than any the intuitive sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God is going to expose you. The Word of God is going to show you exactly who you are as you look into the perfect law of liberty. The Bible taught, uh, calls it uh, like a looking into a mirror. And what is it? What are you, what are you looking into a mirror for? To make Corrections. to to adapt to what I'm supposed to be. And and when I look in the Bible, it shows me myself. It also shows me the Lord Jesus Christ. And I see where I am. I see where He is. And what am I doing? I'm constantly changing my thinking. I'm constantly changing uh, my my attitudes and my actions uh, to get in line with God's desire, God's will for me. The Bible talks about the Word of God being perfect, converting the soul, turning around, transforming our mind, emotions, and our will. Uh, to be in line with God. That's that's the Christian life, folks. Hey, praise the Lord, you got saved. But now the progress is this: I'm changing everything. I'm changing the way I think. I'm changing the way I behave, and I'm yielding. I'm coming in line with God's way, and that's how we approach things. You know, our carnal nature says, uh, "I can do this in my own strength. I got it figured out." And uh, and we jump in and we make a mess of things. Um, so what do we do? We use caution to make sure I understand God's way in the matter. How would God respond? How would God do this? Remember years ago, the, the trend, the fad, what would Jesus do? Those bracelets and everything that went around. And uh, now, uh, 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 I had heard that the, the founder of that thing, he, uh, you know, he, he bought a pretty good-sized mansion and all that. I mean, he, he did pretty good for himself for this fun little slogan. But, uh, uh, but you know, the reality is, uh, as we come to the Scriptures, it's it's comparing what would I do, and how would God react? How would what would Jesus do in the circumstance? And and what are we doing? We're becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's that's our challenge. That's our desire, and that's what we want to try to um, try to create a culture in our homes and in our lives, in our in our families, in our church. That when we approach the Bible, it's it's I need this. I need to change. It's me. It's me. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And uh, and, uh, and and rather than you know I've got this figured out, I've been doing this long enough. That's a very dangerous place to be. You know, and I've I've seen people like like that. You know, I I, I think I've kind of figured out everything I need to know in the Christian life. Ooh, I hope I never get there. <laughs> you see, but I appreciate you all being out tonight. I want to spend a few moments in prayer.